All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Stay at Whole Foods Market. Can you see Did you notice? Checked, but the puck comes right to Pedersen, who tries a bank pass for Besser. In with a shot, he scores! A moment's notice. It only... You're listening to Canucks Conversation. Quinn Hughes beat reporter here. Like, I don't, I won't cover the Canucks. Yeah. I cover Quinn Hughes and what he's doing to the Canucks. A member of the Nation Network of Podcasts and delivered by DoorDash. Just wave the guy and get Demko involved. I wanted them in at Valentine's Day. Wow. We should do a Raiders show together. <laughs> right on. I want to fist bump you right now. What Pearl steals, cutting in, shoots, scores! Don't waste all the good stuff on the off air. Let's go. We're getting ready to go. I still had uh, these lovely little potatoes I have for lunch. Uh, I had one of those in my mouth, and I was just frantically pointing at you and saying, you got to go, you got to go, you got to do the intro. Um, 
But I, I've, I have a clear mouth, a clear mind, ready to talk some Vancouver Canucks. Uh, so we should mention, this is the Canucks Conversation Podcast. Yeah. Um, my name is Dave Cotrelli. I'm joined, as always, by the man who built the place, Chris Faber. Our technical producer today is Alex Allard. Uh, we're here to talk about a lot of Vancouver Canucks things, but before we do that, we got to talk about the great folks over at Montana's because we are brought to you by those wonderful people uh, over at Montana's. They've got daily deals on their new comfort menu. I'm trying to do this completely from memory. Mm-hmm. Uh, Monday is Half Price Wings. Yep. Tuesdays. Taco Tuesday. Yeah, we know Tuesday is the taco day. $5 for a meaty taco. Uh, It is confirmed by Canucks Conversation to be a meaty taco. Rumor on the street is a bite of that taco is the same as a bite out of an elephant. Wednesday, all-you-can-eat ribs. Thursday uh, and everyday daily drink deals. And Sunday, 15% off online takeout. We did an emergency podcast yesterday. That was our initial reaction to the firing of Bruce Boudreaux, Chris. Alex actually has some news. We should get to the news that Alex has. He's got the the audio that I want to get to. Because we are about to talk about some news around the Vancouver Canucks. Sure. Alex, Alex, you got this queued up here? You can run this, and I'll just stop talking if you have it ready to go. If not, I'm just going to keep talking. But let's hear about the news about the Vancouver Canucks. Former Washington Capitals coach Bruce Boudreaux has been fired by the Vancouver Can- Canucks. The team announced the change Sunday, less than a week after president of hockey operations Jim Rutherford said major surgery was needed to fix the Canucks. Rick Tukit. <laughs> Rick Tukit. Um, uh, I feel bad because, like, there's there's a lot of times where I screw up names for sure, right? But like, listen, I went to I went to broadcasting school, right? Yeah, I graduated. You didn't. Uh, I did. So I'm smarter than you in certain degrees. And <laughs> one of them is uh, how to pronounce words, which is why my words of the days. A lot of the times, like today, where sometimes we do a show and a little bit of behind the scenes thing here. So we we have like our outline, right? And a lot of times in the outline, you don't know anything about this. But what I know about the outline (laughs) is that I put a lot of stats in there that I want to get to, a lot of things that I think need to be mentioned. There's not a lot today in our first two segments here. We're going to talk about Bye Bye Bruce. Frank Cervall is going to join us uh, in about uh, 12 minutes time. But what I always do, okay, maybe you got to help me. What's it called when you spell out the words the way they sound? Phonetically. Phonetical phonetical, uh, spelling or whatever. (laughs) That's how I do it, so I know how I'm talking with these words here. Okay. And uh, today's word, <laughs> great. There's two definitions of today's word. I'm going to give you the second one because this is not the way that I'm going to use it. Well, don't give them the definition. Okay. It's just, it's a, it's very fitting. For we actually time. have some stuff to get to. Believe it or not, there's a new coach, Chris. Uh, well, we, we just, just got heard back. the reporter talking about it there. We yeah. just got back from Canucks practice. Uh, my hat's all messed up. I, you know, I was in the Canucks locker room. Yeah, let me start. Literally, well, let me go off on a tangent first. This, this whole 1145 practice thing, this better not be something that <laughs> sticks, okay? Because it's going to make this show extremely difficult to prep for, having to go down there get one player interview, not be able to talk to the coach. We're going to, I don't know, something's going to have to change uh, with somebody's schedule, and I don't want it to be ours. Hey. I hope the Canucks are back to those 10 a.m. practices. That's nice. Lots of prep time before the show. We were rushed up here today. I didn't even get the video up uh, of uh, of Rogers Arena. And I'll tell I you, got- I'll, let me explain the view to people. It's not gorgeous today. There's a lot of uh, a lot of steam coming out of Rogers Arena today, more than usual, and, uh, and it's foggy there it is right there okay enough okay i got, I got a couple things here i i, I okay. went to practice and i asked the hard-hitting questions i'm not trying to criticize anybody in the media but i'm just saying nobody asked colin delia about Fartgate. and granted this is partly because goalies don't talk on game days Ian yeah, Clark this, goaltenders this don't is my talk fault on game i days. should have asked jim rutherford when we had him yesterday <laughs> i should have got the president's opinion was was that a fart on the broadcast <laughs> Follow up all your serious. Good job at the press conference, by the way, uh, with Patrick Alvin. We'll get to that in a sec. But 
Um, I asked Delia about Fartgate. I said, uh, hey, did you see this? And beside him, Spencer Martin just starts laughing. I thought I was going to have to show him the video. They knew all about it. Spencer sent it to Colin that night, and they were they were laughing about it. Um, and I said, so, so Colin, was it your skate? And he goes, well, I actually did fart. Um, but no, he, he did admit. He said, yes, it was my skate. Um, and then Spencer said, yeah, I, I've been talking about it. They were talking about how Delia's skate makes that sound literally at morning skate. They were mm-hmm. talking about it. Um, it was, uh, Spencer making fun of Demer and, uh, Colin that they, uh, they have those farty skates, fart, fart stops. That's what Spencer oh, called it. Okay. Uh, so story soon, uh, on and Canucks I heard army. From, I heard this from somebody in the Canucks production as well. That corner that he slid into, because this is the big news. I'm glad you wanted to spend five minutes on this. The, that corner that he slid into, that's exactly where the mic is. That picks up the sounds from the rink. Yeah. I, I think this is our so clip. All that this is our clip together. for the uh, the old YouTube. Subscribe to Canucks, Canucks Army on YouTube. Is there folks. any other news that you want to get to? Uh, no, I think that was the only. That's the only thing I did at practice was yeah, ask Dilly about that. Literally is okay. Rick Tockett's in. Bruce Boudreaux's out. I think we spent a lot of time on the emergency show with our initial reaction of it. Had some time to let it breathe a little bit, see where we're at. Now we've seen a practice with Rick Tockett. There was definitely some drills that we've never seen done before with this new coach coming in. There was a lot of conversations being had between Adam Foote, Sergey Gonchar, the defenseman. I saw um, it looked like those guys were in a big group there together. We saw uh, Gonchar having some conversations with Quinn Hughes, kind of working on some shoulder-leaning things, where to lean his puck. I kind of just... The way he was pointing at parts of the ice and explaining where he wanted Quinn to lean, certain things like that. So nice to see. Um, hopefully that's a, that's a relationship that grows. Sergey Gonchar is a great defenseman. I'd like to see him work with uh, with Quinn Hughes to help improve. And I know people are like, but you want to see him improve his defense. Okay, maybe Adam Foot can help. And also Sergey Gonchar I don't think was a bad defender either. So um, you're going to see a little bit of a different feel from the practice. And today was a, a long one, right? Yep. This practice went for an hour long. This wasn't one of these 20-minute ones like we've seen in the past. Um, but I don't know. Do we want to spend some time here on Bruce Boudreaux or do we do enough on the, I think we haven't done it on the YouTube. I think think we we did enough on Sunday. I think there's more than enough discussion about Bruce Boudreaux on the market right now. Um, the, he didn't get treated fairly, all that sort of stuff. And we're not saying that's not the case or anything like that. We're just, I think it's been exhausted to the point of where nobody really wants to hear about it anymore. Uh, I will say, um, you know, if you can pay attention to more than one coaching situation, Daryl Sutter's antics, uh, after Jacob Pelche's, NHL debut. Did you see this? Yep. He's asked about Pelche, um, who made his NHL. Yeah, like I said, NHL debut, young kid. And uh, Sutter, I guess he's making some sort of joke of it or whatever, uh, puts on his eyeglasses, his readers, um, looks at the stat sheet, asks the reporter what number Pelche was, and reads out Pelche's stat line. It's like, look, I get it. You're old school and you're like a dick to, um, to young players. Like, I get it, but. I don't know. That team's not winning games. I think it's fine to do that once in a while if you're winning games and that's Daryl's thing. That team's not winning games. And I look at him as a big reason why that team's not winning games. How How is Jonathan Huberto? And I'm, we're not going to spend too much time talking about the Flames, but no. everybody in the Calgary market, it seems like, and I'm not trying to criticize anybody, but it seems like everybody's scared of Daryl. And look, it's easy to say from Vancouver, like, oh, why are they scared of this guy? But it's like, come on. Like, I don't know. I, I I I would like to think that if he was in this market, he would be getting criticized for that. And there's not much criticism aside from fans on Twitter, it seems like, uh, uh, in the Calgary market. Yeah, true. I don't know. Those Alberta markets, uh, the media is very different over there. They are very different. They very are, much, uh, I don't know. Yeah, we're not going to start criticizing other markets, but... Uh, 
Let's just say when we became maybe, media, we threw you know out our what? jerseys. Maybe it's maybe it's more fun to uh, to cover a, a better team. Maybe you like to yeah, okay, cheer for the team. Okay, what? Anyways, that's not going to fly here. Tell no, you that much. I don't think so. Okay, so let's discuss it, uh, Rick. Todd, let's we because we did the uh, the emergency episode yesterday before the press conference availability. So I think that's where we should start. Uh, and by the way, like I said, Frank Sarvalli is going to join us about five minutes time. We're going to talk about uh, the stuff with. Uh, obviously with Boudreaux, Tockett, uh, as well as the latest trade stuff, there's a lot of guys that are still, you know, it's weird. It felt like this blanket got kind of thrown over the the actual trade situation for the Vancouver Canucks for a week here, which, I don't know, maybe good for the players to not have to worry about or answer so many questions. Uh, but we've talked about this. I I spent a lot of time, like, uh, talking about this yesterday on the emergency podcast. I don't think my thoughts have changed a lot on the whole Bruce Boudreaux situation. I think it was handled incorrectly. Um, I think Jim Rutherford coming out and having an apology towards Bruce Boudreaux and how he handled the situation was fair and I think warranted as well. Um, you, you talk about the, you know player players like deserving respect for what they've done in their past, coaches deserving respect for what they've done in the past. I think Bruce Boudreaux deserved more respect than he got from the Vancouver Canucks uh, with how the situation was handled. But it's like you said, and I see some people in the comments. Uh, Zabero says, I'm sick of hearing about Bruce's feelings. So maybe we won't spend much time on this. We can talk I'm about with, the I'm press conference. I'm with Zabero there. Yeah, and I think there has been a ton. There's a ton of content out there. CanucksArmy.com. Uh, check it out. Uh, our episode from yesterday, if you want to just check it out on the podcast, check it out. Lots of time spent there if you do want to hear about Bruce Boudreaux's feelings. But anything, for, like, you start this. What do you want to start from yesterday's press conference that had Jim Rutherford, Patrick Alvin? And uh, and Rick Tockett there to speak to us. Where do you want to start? What was the biggest takeaway? Uh, Rutherford's not going to do public appearances anymore for the most part. He's going to zip it. He He's going to zip it. Um, Alvin, I like that you asked your question twice to him because he spent six minutes not answering it the first time. So I like that you kind of uh, pitched the same question to him about, you know, the market and everything like that. Um, I think well, I was Tockett, trying, you know what? what I, was, I was trying to play his game. Right. Yeah. You know, he I asked a question. I didn't think that I got the right answer and I didn't want to just come out and be like, and sorry, hey, it's not, not it's not you saying that you wanted a different answer. It's that you didn't actually I, get an answer to your question. Yeah. Not, you didn't get the wrong answer. No, you didn't exactly. get an actual answer to your question. And I could have I thought for a second I should have said like I, I could have said, OK, that didn't really answer my question at all. But I thought, OK, you know what? I'm just going to word this exact same question differently and ask it again yeah. and like see what he says. And it. Didn't he didn't you know it caught him off guard a little bit I think but it's like that that's kind of what I meant to do there because it was one of those spots where you ask a question and I, I looked at it it was I think four and a half minutes was the answer yeah about a question about like negativity in the fan base and it it to me it wasn't an answer that sufficed my my question and, yeah. and listen my question wasn't perfect either like I uh, I'll be honest I kind of fumbled my words a little bit on the first question and kind of on the second one as well like I I didn't do a great job of asking that question, but I feel like the point was still across there. And, and it's going to be interesting to see. I mean, the thought of the retool thing where the, this team can contend in two years, and they mentioned it multiple times yesterday in the press conference of like, this isn't a quick fix. Can you like, I'm curious what their thoughts of a quick fix is, is a quick fix six months, right? Cause to me, a quick fix is like one to two years in the NHL with everything that's going on and, and the way that they talk about how difficult it is to move money, and, and I think this is something that not only they talk about, but the whole NHL is talking about it, how difficult it is to move money. Quick fixes, to me, is one to two years, right? Like, am I wrong? Like, am I 
then the thought that that's when they think they can contend is, you know, when, when Drance asked this question last week at Rutherford, he said three years. He's like, oh, yeah, quicker than that. Like, that's Maybe that quick... was partly why Rutherford needs to zip it. That's why right. and I'm not saying I'm not trying to say, oh, sure. this is Rutherford's fault. I'm just saying, like, maybe it, that was one of the comments that Alvin was kind of like, hey, what the hell, man? Like, you putting a three year timeline on this? Yeah, we didn't talk about that. No, and that's what I thought was just like, that is a quick fix. Unless their thought of like a quick fix is like buy at the deadline and turn this yeah, thing around. Like, is a quick it, seriously, though, is a quick fix in their eyes. The thought of Rick Tockett being the quick fix. that's going to get this team to be a contender now. Uh, maybe may, genuinely, that's probably what they meant when Tockett asked, is this a quick fix? He probably means like, can I come in and fix things? Like, that's probably what Tockett meant is, is this roster capable of that? And Alvin, you hope said, no, this roster isn't capable of that yet, but we want to start implementing good habits even before we have time to fix the roster. Again, um, I don't want to spend too much time on this. I want to talk about this first practice. Uh, before we do, though, I quickly want to get Corey Anderson summed it up really well here, I think, uh, in the chat on the Bruce Boudreaux thing. He said, I think we're all in agreement. The results warranted moving on to a new coach. Could have been handled better. Yep. End of story. Um, sure, gr- I like that. I think that's 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 what we all should kind of come to here. Um, obviously, there's the track record of the Canucks and, and the organization. And like we said, and that's if you want to hear talk about, if you want to hear all the Boudreaux stuff, just the, the emergency podcast yeah. is out. That's immediately when it came down. Yeah, we I think we're done here. Out. I think we're done um, chatting about Bruce Boudreaux uh, for now. So I want to quickly get to this practice before we get to Frank here. Brought to you by Zephyr Epic. Um, oh, good folks. Promo code hockey season capital H capital S all one word. Um, That'll get you $5 off your order at ZephyrEpic.com, Z-E-P-H-Y-R, Epic. All of our guests brought to you uh, over there. So go check them out. I quickly want to get this in. We had this practice today with Rick Tockett. Uh, you quickly mentioned Adam Foote, Sergey Gonchar. Sergey Gonchar is obviously not going to be here every day, but Sergey Gonchar was here uh, today, and he was working with the defenseman. One thing I noticed real quick, Adam Foote still has a bomb of a shot. Like, he was working at, like, he took, like, a 50% effort slapper, and that thing, like, you know how you talk in Abbotsford sometimes, you see AHL defenseman, how the mm. shot dies before it gets to the net? Yeah. That one zipped right by Spencer Martin's head. And it wasn't like he was, like, aiming for his head. He missed the net. But, you know, he, he still, like, was 50%, like, just, you know, and it just pinged the glass. It was unbelievable. He still got a bomb of a shot, that Adam Foot. Um, yeah, I think those guys are going to help. The main thing I want to get to uh, while we wait for Frank here is the lines. The lines were a little bit different today, and I thought that was really interesting as Alex pulls them up here. For those on the podcast, you've seen them if you read um, Canucks Army. We'll have the morning skate article out, but Sadnika Horvat, Besser, Dries, Miller, Garland, Mikheyev, Pedersen, Kuzmenko, and then Joshua Lazar, Lockwood, Lane Peterson is the extra there. I don't want to get too into the defense bearings. What I really want to talk about here is that we talked about yesterday how... And maybe this, some of this was off air, but we talked about how, you know what? It really seems like Rick Tockett has his philosophies and it's basically going to be, I'm going to apply these philosophies and we're, the team is going to have to get fixed to be able to play under this structure and under this method, right? Like that's what it feels like to me because, you know, they, they don't shy away from saying, yeah, there's problems on this roster, but you know, you look at what he's doing. He wants to roll four lines. He wants to limit Quinn Hughes' ice time. He wants to limit uh, Elise Patterson's penalty killing time. I think he's going to quickly find out that when you do that, you lose a lot of games. And for those on Team Tank, I don't think you can complain too much. And with that, uh, let's get to Frank Cervelli. I'll pick that up after because uh, I realized I had more to say there. I but... thought you were transitioning from uh, uh, Team Tank to, to Frank Cervelli there. No. Okay. No. Uh, we'll talk about it after. Uh, Frank Cervelli of uh, Daily Faceoff joining us. Frank, how are you doing? 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. I'm good. I mean, Team Tank. Some people call me Frank the Tank. Like, I'm on board for whatever. <laughs> uh, that's kind of the, the feeling Canucks fans have right now. I mean, with everything that's gone on, they feel like they're on board for whatever else at this point. Uh, but Frank's brought to you by the great folks there. Zephyr Epic. Tell you what, the Pokemon, the hockey cards, everything. I got my Pokemon cards right here. The good stuff over there. Zephyr Epic. Check them out. Promo code what? Hockey Season? Yeah, that's the promo code. Thank you. I'm not a promo code guy, but uh, Hockey Season, $50. What's the deal here? Free shipping? Just get ask Frank a question, man. <laughs> Frank, what, why? Wait, hold on. I, I got to ask you. Why are you not a promo code guy? Like, I don't it saves know. You money. I know. I'm not. I'm a promo code guy, but I'm a forget the promo yeah, codes. Yeah. I'm a fifteen percent here, five percent here, twenty five percent on your first delivery here. I don't know what's going on with these things. Uh, and it's I just sh- favors. Just he's got it just like that. That he's like, yeah, whatever. I don't need promo codes. Yeah, well, that's what I'm saying. I got it like that. Uh, Frank. Listen, the weekend here that we just had in Vancouver was something for the ages for, I think, the hockey world and, and hockey news in general. It's It's been a long time here building up. Heard a really interesting comment this morning that I wanted to kind of bring up. was like, Jason Bruss said this this morning, and I know you join them in the mornings a lot. He said, like, this is probably the most news you've seen around the Vancouver Canucks since the 2011 Stanley Cup playoffs, right? Like, this, this consistent news cycle that Vancouver's produced – how did you see things ending here with Bruce Boudreaux to kind of start? Like, what are your initial thoughts on how this whole thing was handled with, you know, the media availability on Sunday? Uh, just everything that happened this week. And there's so much I don't even know where to start and ask you. So just your initial thoughts from the outside looking in. Yeah, I would say, like, for me, the biggest thing when I what was most jarring watching the press conference on Sunday was that I actually felt bad for Rick Tockett. Like here he is, this new guy. I know no one's ever trampling on the guy that was outgoing and there's always a certain amount of deference and respect to any mid-season coaching change. But here he is, what's supposed to be sort of a, hey, I'm back in the game. This is exciting. I'm going to a new market. He's never coached in Canada before. And it's like, 
this awesome moment that he spends the first five day, five questions or so of the press conference essentially ducking for cover because the Vancouver Canucks are just getting absolutely pelted. And rightfully so. I mean, the, the way that this was handled, I would just say the biggest thing, a lot of people would say embarrassing. I would say unnecessary. It didn't need to play out this way. Uh, there's a lot of factors that I think went into it. Um, there probably are a number of people in the Vancouver Canucks front office today that uh, are cursing Bruce Boudreaux, saying like, oh, what a drama queen, can't believe that this, you know, he played it up so much and things like that. Um, I would say the other part of it is like, look, there's only one way to treat people and it's the right way. And I think this has been a stain on the Canucks and it's going to be a stain on Jim Rutherford's legacy when it's all said and done. This three-time Stanley Cup winning general manager, president of Hockey Ops now in Vancouver, I think he's universally respected. I've known Jim for a long time and, and someone that um, I would say is a true pro to deal with. Um, but you know what? Like, There's other factors in play that I think complicate this that have made it extraordinarily difficult and it didn't need to be this way. And we, we spent a whole episode yesterday, did an emergency podcast to talk about this right after the firing, I guess, up to this point. Call it. It, the thing is, like, and we're seeing it in our chat, nobody wants us to spend more time on this because we just spent time on this for the last two months, right? Like, that that's a crazy thing. So I, I do want to turn the page here. Uh, Rick Tockett comes in here. We talked about, obviously, the press conference that he had. But what are the Canucks getting with this coach? Maybe that's different from Bruce Boudreaux. Um, well, that's different. I think he just has a different air about him, a different personality. Bruce is sort of a happy go lucky, uh, funny, irreverent, um, really fun guy to be around. And I'd say, uh, Tockett is direct. He is genuine. He's honest. He's a straight shooter. He's to the point. Um, I've known Rick Tockett, uh, first, when I first started my career a couple years in when he was between jobs, he did TV in Philadelphia that I, I did with him for a while and he getting to know him. He's, he's someone that I think players really like and trust because you always know where you stand. Uh, it's an open door. He's going to look you right in the eye and tell you exactly how he feels. And he's someone that with his success, both as a player um, not just the fight totals, but also the points and the games played, the Stanley Cup, uh, the Stanley Cups as an assistant coach. His resume certainly demands respect. And he's got a real structured way of doing things. Like nothing is on accident. Uh, he spends a lot of time thinking about practice plans and systems. And he talks to a lot of people around the league, what works and what doesn't work. And so um, he's always thinking uh, about hockey, always talking about hockey, and he's always engaged. And so, you know, you might be getting a text from him at, uh, you know, 10 or 11 o'clock at night thinking about some kind of, you know, system or setup. Like, that's how he operates. And what was lacking, at least from the Vancouver management perspective, was Patrick Alvin and and Jim Rutherford got there last year having inherited uh, Bruce Boudreaux, and they were like, what is this? What are we seeing here? This practice is garbage. This game is unstructured. The way this team plays doesn't work for us. So that has been a thorn in their side for a really long time. 
and they've wanted to make a change. And until recently, they didn't have a green light to do so. And I think that's a really important thing to point out. I'm not absolving anyone here with this mess. Everyone's going to wear it, and the organization has a black eye from it. But I think just like in anything in life, it starts at the top. And for me, when you have a general manager and a president of hockey ops that quite clearly for a long time have wanted to make a change and haven't been able to, I think that's where you start to see a lot of this unravel. Yeah, absolutely. And I guess the question a lot of people have, and you know, you just talked about kind of the differences between Boudreaux and Talkit. How many similarities do you think we're going to see with the late stage Travis Green teams that uh, the Canucks were running here with defensive systems that maybe couldn't score as much? How many similarities do you think there is between Travis Green and Rick Tockett? Hard to say. I mean, I'm trying to like I, I do have the Travis Green teams in my mind. I also am trying to think of the last ones I saw from Tockett in Arizona. Maybe some similarities, but it's a difficult question to answer because it's mostly different personnel. There's a couple pieces from Arizona that are obviously in Vancouver now and not just Ekman Larson, but also Luke Shen. Um, But it's definitely detail oriented is what I would say. And the thought process. And again, like put the PR aside, put how bad the situation ended up turning out, all that, put it aside. The thought process of bringing in a coach mid season do you like the thought process and just the hiring in general for the Canucks to make this change? I would say to remove where this team is at in its competitive cycle uh, in a general sense. Yes, I do like it. And I point to the Calgary Flames a few years back uh, when Daryl Sutter took over midseason. Kind of a lost year. They thought that they should be more competitive. They make the coaching change late in the year. It was much later than this, I think. And you're like, well, why do that? And they were able to get assimilated and find out what Daryl Sutter was looking for. And then they hit the ground running the next season and went on to win the Pacific Division. However, I would say in this case, I don't know how much sense it makes. For one, this is if you're on Team Tank and we just talked about this you don't want to be piling up more wins than you should and be inching closer to 20th place instead of 32nd. You're not making the playoffs most likely regardless, uh, especially not with some of the teams like Colorado really beginning to, to rev it up. Um, And so that I think further damages you in the now when it comes to next season, I would say the coaching change is mostly beneficial but probably not in this case because so few of the players that are here right now will also be there then. What are, what's the number we're talking about? 60%, 50% of the same players you know, in, in a perfect world for the Canucks, whether it's through trade or buyout or whatever it may be, they don't want a lot of the same group back to gain cap flexibility. So I, I guess what, I, what I'm saying here is I think Rick Tockett is a great hire I just don't really understand, and it brings me back to the unnecessary word, I don't understand why this needed to happen. Mm. Like, you could have, in a perfect world, just got through the rest of the year with Bruce Boudreaux, and even from an ownership pocketbook perspective, just paid Bruce Boudreaux, then Travis Green will be off the books, then you can move forward next season with Rick Tockett if you want to. I don't know, just my thoughts. Maybe there's something else in play that I don't know about, which I think you always have to allow for. 
Frank, last week when Jim Rutherford had his press conference about Tanner Pearson, it, it evolved into a state of the franchise, really, obviously. Uh, spent a lot of time in that situation. He mentioned there when, when Thomas Durant asked him a question that, it, you know, when he gave him a three-year timeline, he said, oh, it's, it's going to be quicker than that. And then at this one that we talked yesterday, we've heard again multiple times. We've heard this all season. It, this isn't a quick fix here in Vancouver. In my eyes, and we just talked about this off the top of the show, a quick, a quick fix is one to two years. So what does this team need to do to have a successful retool? Or do you think that's impossible and this needs to be a straight-up rebuild? Maybe you can keep Pedersen and Hughes still at this point in the rebuild. But, like, how does this team have success in a rebuild? Or a retool, sorry. Well, what it involves, and and I think I haven't listened, like, super closely, but I've heard clips from Thomas Trance and others who have sort of picked through this theory is that it basically involves you winning 100% of your trades. That's really what it comes down to is that there can't be any misses. And much it's, it's much different, I think, in a rebuild because you know that you're not going to hit on all your draft picks and you're kind of going in with that thought process of like, let's assemble as many as we can so that the ones that don't pan out don't absolutely cripple us. And to do it in this case... Like if like let's just pick a, a random destination and, and like I, I was going through this today with Bo Horvat and and there seemed to be some further reporting that hey maybe Bo Horvat likes what it's like under Rick Tockett and decides mm. to reconsider and and maybe that's possible but I don't see the Canucks based on Jim Rutherford's comments substantially changing the offer that they made and and frankly I don't even know why it would make sense um, although I, I certainly think that having Horvat back makes more sense over Kuzmenko from the long-term perspective. But um, when it comes to doing this correctly, you need to look at teams that are going to give, it's a totally different way of, of how teams have traditionally done this selling off pieces, which is almost every team that you're trading with is keeping all of the good, really good prospects and NHL ready players that they have in their system. So like, Let's throw Carolina out there and work through the exercise from the Bo Horvat perspective. Like they're probably not, they're not trading you Netchash. They're not trading you Seth Jarvis. So you're looking at Kotkaniemi probably who has a long-term deal, eight years and almost 5 million bucks and, and is on pace for 30 goals as a center. Some may view him as a reclamation project worth taking on. I don't know. But then you're looking at prospects who are not NHL ready that are way further down the depth chart that are like second round picks mm. and and high third round picks that you're hoping to then convert to your team. And all I'm saying is if you're going through the retool process, you're getting three, let's just hypothetically, instead of draft picks, three players back for Bo Horvat, you got to go three for three. Like yeah. there cannot be any hiccups here in the process. And so I just think it's possible, but it allows for a lot less room for error. Exactly. It's, it's much more risk involved with these guys because listen, the players that you're getting maybe at the 22 to 24 age range probably haven't worked out with the other team. So it's like, instead of getting two shots and drafting a guy of having two shots of him working out, or maybe you flip him at 22 to a team that does want to do one of these retools, you're missing out on that strike. You basically, you're going up to the play with two strikes against you at that point. And, and that was something that, that I questioned yesterday to Patrick Alvine was the process. I said, that's what I think a lot of Canucks fans have the problem with, whether it be 
the last, you know, I, I can look, you can look at the last 10 years since, since they were, you know, president's cup, uh, when they won the president's trophy back in, in 2012, you can look at the process that's gotten you to this point of, this is a team that we can turn around quickly with Jim Benning. Now you're kind of hearing a lot of similar things. The question that I had to Patrick Alvin is one I want to ask you, should the Canucks trust this management group with their process of getting them back to being a contending team? Yeah, I mean, I don't know why it would be any different with this one than with any other one that you're going to hire. Like mm. they have Patrick Alvin has made his bones as as a scouting director. Like he's someone that has an eye for talent evaluation. Jim Rutherford has made his bones on the art of the deal and pulling off transactions. And so you would think that the two of those guys married together uh, along with a solid staff would be able to make some headway in that. I don't think it's a question of, is this the right management staff? I think it's a question of, is this the right direction? It's not necessarily the people in place. It's the orders that they're given to, to then march to. And so if you have, again, this, this is my belief that it's coming from ownership that you need to be competitive every year and you need to do whatever you can to get into the playoffs or whatever it may be. It drives your entire philosophy. And so what you end up having is basically the final year of the Jim Benning era he makes those trades where they kick the can down the road and are now saddled with all of this, you know, they trade a bunch of bad contracts where they could survive one more year and finally get the, the freedom to then now being in this hell all over again because they're trying to paper over it. It was like instead of punting on one year, you've now punted on three or four. And so it's backed everything up at a time when you now – That to me is like the most critical issue from the Canucks over the last decade. That's where this totally fell off the rails is that you've now really crushed and wasted three to four years of Elias Pettersson and and Quinn Hughes and Thatcher Demko in net because you've had this mandate to be better in the short term as opposed to the long term. And it's really put this team further back that it – whether it was Benning or whether it's now Rutherford and Alvin, I don't, it doesn't really matter to me who's driving the bus because if someone has some strings tied to the top of the bus and can pick it up and put it on a different road, well then that doesn't really matter who's behind the wheel. Yeah. It's, it's brand new cabinets on a house that has no structure. That's, that's what's been unfortunate. I got to get some rapid fire ones in here for you, Frank, before we let you go. Um, I want to say over under do the Canucks get more or less in a trade for Andre Kuzmenko than a second round pick and a B level prospect is the, is the return higher or lower than that? I am going to say the same. How about that? (laughs) I didn't give you that option, Frank. (laughs) Yeah, but I don't think it's going to be more than that. I also don't think it's going to be much less. All right. Fair enough. Bull Horvat. Uh, sounds like things are heating up. Obviously there wasn't a great comment. Um, about about it when asked from Patrick Alvin on the situation. Do you think this is the first one that gets done of potentially Luke Shen, Kuzmenko, Horvat? Those are the three kind of big trade chips in Vancouver. Is it Horvat getting done first here this market? I think it makes sense to handle that one first. Um, I just I, I try and understand how imminent it is, and I, I don't think very. 
obviously it's heated up in a big way and the number of teams that have been involved has has grown and I think everyone has an understanding and a real base level knowledge of which teams are in and which teams are out but it it doesn't feel like it's like this is happening tomorrow if that makes any sense fair enough final question Alex I'm going to need you to pull up the photo of the uh the taco from Montana's is this taco ridiculously large Frank we've been arguing about this I swear this is the meatiest taco I might have ever seen in my life Alex can you pull up this Montana's taco on the Tuesdays there I think there's too much meat in here almost I, see, I've never met a taco where there's not enough meat. Here's the thing, Faber. I've seen enough tacos where there's too little meat. Yes. And that would concern me because I think one of the real joys of eating a taco is getting to mop up everything after the fact mm. and really like enjoy it with a fork. And so – I don't know. That's not an issue for me. I'm I'm way more into the half price wings on Monday. Though. I tell you, I was ready to blast them when I heard five dollars for a taco until I saw the size of this damn thing and, and comparing it to the slice of a lime. Anyways, we I know you. It have is better. five dollars Canadian as well. So absolutely, this is, uh, you know what, Frank? I think you have better yeah. things to do. Maybe we'll let you go. <laughs> Enjoy the half price wing night, guys. Will do. Appreciate it, Frank. Uh, we'll chat with you soon. Have a good one. Frank Cervalli, uh, courtesy of our friends over at Zephyr Epic. They've got you covered for all of your trading card needs. Be oh, sure yeah. to go check them out. Z-E-P-H-Y-R Epic. Uh, follow them on all platforms. I think this is a record. In the live chat, we've got 110 people watching right now. Good. I think that's a record high. Uh, so with the eyes of a nation upon us, I went to Popeye's this weekend. I went to Popeye's for the first time. It was delicious. Um, I want to go back to this chat because... I want to get this out about Rick Tockett. I I have this idea. And again, maybe, maybe this is the best case scenario. But I have this idea and this hope based on Rick Tockett's intro press conference, based on the line rushes we saw at practice today. I have this hope that Tockett comes in and because there's no pressure to win games, right? That he comes in says, we're going to run four lines. Yeah, JT Miller, you're paid to be a center on this team, and you're going to start back-checking, okay? I I have this idea and this hope that Rick Tockett is just going to apply all of the things that he talked about, running four lines, decreasing Hughes' ice time, um, you know, getting uh, Pedersen and Hughes off the penalty kill, whatever. And I know those guys want to kill penalties. It's a longer conversation. I have this hope that he just does all these things that sound great, in theory, because they're great hockey takes, I think. I think he came across really well from a pure hockey perspective yesterday. I have this hope that he applies all those. Everybody, including management and ownership, get to see just how far this team is from being able to actually play mm-hmm. with the structure that we're seeing. Because mm, interesting, we've talked about yeah. this before. We've seen the Canucks try and play with structure. We saw it, and that's what led to Travis Green getting fired, right? Like, they tried to play a more structured game because the defense wasn't good enough. Um, obviously, there was things that could have been done better, I think, by Travis, but... I think it's going to become clear to everybody, and when I say everybody, I mean the most important people, the most important decision makers here. I think it's going to become clear just how far off this team is. And I think that is a good thing because I think you're going to lose a lot of games. Like, I don't think the Canucks are going to get this dead cat bounce that we keep talking about. Like, they might they might win a couple games. They've got some weak opponents. They have the third easiest schedule to close out the rest of the season. So they're going to pick up some wins. Yeah, for sure. But I think for the most part, if Tockett just sticks by what he said here. Because Bruce was brought in to get wins, right? Like, Bruce wasn't here to... Bruce, we need you to get us to the next step of the organization. We're trying to retool here. No. 
Bruce was brought in, get us wins. Like, we think we can win with this lineup and we're not winning. And Bruce did that. He got the wins, but it wasn't sustainable without the hot goaltender. And there were some interesting thoughts today from, from Yannick Hansen, who, listen, if the Canucks could use the type of player and, and you know, multiply him by six, throw him into your bottom six, it's the Yannick Hansen type of player. That's the type of player that I bet would thrive under this, this proposed defensive system that we're going to hear from Rick Tockett. And what Hansen said today on Donnie and Dolly was bang on. It was like the Canucks just don't have those players. Like they don't exactly. have, and I don't, it's funny, he wasn't talking about himself, but as he was talking about those type of players, I was thinking of the players that he was, like the player that Yannick Hansen was for this team. Yeah. The guy that's going to be going out there. How many guys on this Canucks team, think about it, like really solid penalty killers or, or just guys that are strong in their defenses on, like I think I think Elias Pettersson does an incredible job. Mikheyev. I think Mikheyev is the other one. Where Who's number three? At a guy who really can be trusted defensively in his own zone that's on this roster. And, and I'll, I'll even bring up defensemen as well, right? Sure. Like, which, like, anybody in this roster, can you really say, like, that guy is a solid NHL defending player? And I'm not just talking about defensemen. I'm talking about forwards, defensemen, everyone. Like, I don't know. Like, Shen does a pretty good job of bodying, but he also... Listen, there's foot doesn't speed have issues. The foot speed, yeah. He doesn't have, like, he's got a pretty good stick. He's very physical. He's a good guy to have in the bottom of your life. But, like, yeah, I, I think when you get into this structure of this this new way that wants to be played by Jim Rutherford and Patrick Alvin, the way that they want to see their hockey team play, they're going to look at this roster and say, wow, there's not a lot of pieces that make sense for that. But I think they know that is the yeah. thing that I'm trying to say is I have this idea that, look, Jack Sednika's on the first line, right? <laughs> I think they're going to see. And I, I think they already know that. Like, when we when Rutherford says major surgery is needed on this roster, I don't take that lightly. Like, I think he's looking at this and saying, yeah, our team's not good enough, but at least build the right habits. And right. I think that's what they want, and I think that's what they're going to accomplish with this coaching change. Again, I think everybody wants them to lose a lot of games, but, it, like, here's the thing is if you lose games and you're high-flying team and you score a ton, that's fun. But... If you're losing games, but you're playing the right way, quote-unquote, mm. the right way, I also think people like that, too. Yeah, because I think if, if you play the right way, you're going to find players that fit into playing the right way where you're actually going to have good success down the road. Listen, yeah. listen, Pod Colson didn't work great under Bruce Boudreau this season. Was he put into a role where he was really able to play to his strengths? Like I think Pod Colson is an excellent defending forward, right? We talked about guys on this roster that can do that. I think that's something that Pod Colson, if under the right structure and the right coaching staff, can be a very good defensive forward. I think he can be that type that, that Yannick Hansen was talking about today, where yep. is there anyone that's going out there and willing to, you know, lose chicklets as they as they block a shot on the penalty kill? I think Pod Colson's that type of guy. I think Pod Colson's gonna be back up here in the NHL very soon. I think you're gonna see a guy probably and I saw the chat, I think uh, Ben Lipka was in the chat earlier asking I think Lane Peterson's going down very soon here because I, I, I just don't think he's the type of guy who's going to fit long-term with this new no. coaching staff. I think Pod Colson's going to be up here very soon because I think that's the player who's going to fit this structure that we're going to see from Rick Talk, and I think he's going to be a guy that's going to thrive under that structure quite a bit, and that's going to be an interesting thing to see. So I think Pod Colson's coming up soon. I think he's getting into the lineup very soon. That'll be something that I'm very much looking forward to following. But now at the other time, and we said this on the emergency show yesterday, now there is no excuse for the plan to be swayed from that we've been given by Jim Rutherford about a retool, right? Yep. Rutherford has his GM. He has his coach. He has his AGMs. He has everybody in place now. Now this is 
whatever they're indicating to fans, to media, to the hockey world on what this team's goal is, they should 100% be judged for that because now there's no excuse of, yeah, but this isn't his coach, right? There's no more excuses for them and the plan that they lay out. It needs to be successful for them to say that they're doing a good job. If their plan that they lay out to everybody and the fan base should know, the fans should know what they should be judging this management group off of. And if they don't do a good job of that, then that's on them. Like that is on the upper management group. Now, now you can't have any other blame. There's still a roster that needs to be changed, right? That's why I look at this and I think it can't be a quick fix in two years. Cause there's too many things on this roster that are going to be too difficult to move in the next 18 months. You're not moving OEL in the next 18 months. Nope. You still have a, a Tyler Myers under contract during most of those 18 months. His contract will be up in 18 months, which you know, good for a lot of Canucks fans to hear. I think that money-wise, I know you're going to miss him big time. But that's why I can't see it happening within the two years here. Like, there's so much that still needs to be done. And it's like they've said, this management group has talked about major surgery. Yep. Major surgery to an NHL roster is not a one- to two-year thing. Not in the cap era. So that's what I worry about this team and the way that they've laid out thinking that they can be real competitive in three years. I, I find it I find it very difficult to actually happen. And do I, I, I wish nothing but the world that I am dead wrong. I want to see this Canucks team be successful. I think the fan base deserves it. I think everybody's showing up to these games and being disappointed when they leave Rogers Arena. They deserve better. Everybody online, everybody in this chat, people listening to this podcast, I want those people to be not only happy with the team and the way that they're going, but I want them to be at a point where like, if you go out and you're a hockey fan and you're just chatting, say you put 32 fans in a room, everybody's laughing at the Canucks fan. That sucks. You should be proud of the the team that you're a fan of. And it sucks that if you were to take every team, even the Seattle Kraken that just came into this league, they're pointing up at Vancouver and they're laughing at that fan. That sucks for the Vancouver fan base who doesn't deserve that. On the topic of running four lines, and you just brought up the Seattle Kraken, really good point in the chat here from Kevin Punter. Watching how much success Seattle and New Jersey are having rolling all four lines makes me want to see it in Vancouver. It can't be good having all your best forwards playing 20 minutes every night. Again, from a pure hockey perspective, that's a good take. I agree with that, and Talkett said that yesterday. Now, Corey Anderson, right below it, said the third line for the Canucks in their last cup run Boom. was Hanson, Malholtra, Higgins. We don't have anything anywhere near that, and, and he's bang on. And I think what Corey wanted to bring up there, because I feel like we were talking about the time, is how good defensively are you thinking with yeah. Hanson, Malhotra, Higgins? What a great defensive third line. Those guys all killed penalties. Malhotra was a an absolute fiend in the faceoff dot. Like that, that group there, I love it. I, I think that's something there. Okay, I got it. I know, but we're going to run a little late. I'm sorry, Alex. I want to get, I got to show this fight. Okay. I got to show this fight from the AHL. Alex Canuck Leaper versus Adam Klapka, a six foot eight guy against a five foot 11 guy. Just got to show this. This is incredible. People loved this online. So Canuck Leaper, you can see he's from Thailand. Good kid out there. Now it's for former captain of the uh, Vancouver Giants facing off against a guy nine inches taller than him. And I tell you, in the stat book, they say Canuck Leaper's 5'11". I don't know. I've stood beside him. I don't know if he's even 5'11". Klapka, I know he's about 6'8". He's a monster. I've walked by him at uh, in Penticton. And Canuck Leaper... Canuck Leapert sticking it in here and just absolutely going at Klapka. Hell of a fight. A lot of heart in this kid. Everybody who saw him play out of the LEC, they know 
Canuck Leapert, great to have out there. Uh, has not been playing a lot now. It's free. He's been healthy scratch a lot this season. But tell you, when they get into the lineup, they love this kid. Uh, and I know the organization really likes him as well. Uh, I got one more clip I want to get to as well, just from uh, Vasily Podkoles and scoring on the weekend. Matt, I've had this uh, this other news that I got to drop. It's going to come in tomorrow's uh, tomorrow's prospect update again. I got some stuff I want to I want to talk about here. Um, I'll get to it eventually, but let's we'll, we'll run the pod Coles and goal. Really nice sharp angle. I think this kid's coming up here pretty soon. I don't know about Huglander. Uh, I think he's going to rock with that Swedish house mafia for a little bit. But pod Colson, tell you what, get him up here, get him under, uh, you know, working with Tocket. I'd like to see it very soon. Good Betway, Betway, let's go. Okay, let's go Betway, Betway, Betway. Pull it up here. Our bets of the day as we wrap up. Uh, and uh, by the way, a lot of I see you mentioned a lot of people in the chat. Great to see a lot of people here on the uh, YouTube live Monday to Friday, one o'clock. Every day, you'll see us there, Monday to Friday. I guess that's not every day, is it? People say that every day. That's Monday to Friday. You can say every day. You talk about Monday to Friday. Anyways, 1 o'clock. See you all uh, as we rock through here. Betway bets of the day. Uh, Islanders, Leafs, got some bets here. Dobson, over 2.5 shots on net, minus 134. $10 bet gets you uh, 1750 over there on Betway. Uh, and then the Leafs to win and Mitch Marner to score two or more points. Quads, in the last five Toronto Maple Leaf wins... How many of those five wins has Mitch Marner had two or more points in? Five. No, three. So $10 bet, that'll get you twenty-seven fifty there over on uh, Betway, Betway, Betway. All right, we'll wrap it up there. 19-plus uh, play. If you play, uh, play responsibly. All right, uh, our thanks to Frank Sarali, of course, uh, brought to you by Zephyr Epic. We'll close it out there. We'll talk tomorrow. we got a game to talk about tomorrow. Preview the game, at least. I tell you, it better be an early. I swear, they morning skate at 12. <laughs> The Travis days are back. Ugh. You're already seeing similarities. Travis used to have those here. long practices and Rick starting with the long practices. Yeah, Anyways, like we'll close it out there. For my co-host, Chris Faber, uh, and our technical producer, Alex Lard, our thanks to Frank Cervalli once again for joining us. My name is Dave Guadrelli. Thank you so much for another episode of the Canucks Conversation. Uh, word of the day, internecine. Didn't say it, but I said it at the end there. Nobody got it. Okay, see you guys. Have a good one. How about keep it to a thank you, Jim? Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Market.